more women read into astrology. I say, isn't that what women, a lot of women are taught by astrology to nest like, me and you aren't compatible for. Oh no, they shouldn't do that. And I always turn them off. It's my mm. biggest, biggest pet peeve. Oh, because that's what I know it for. Yeah, it's my biggest. And it's actually, like I get so frustrated in my DMs because I'm like, what about your moon sign? What about your rising sign? What about your Mercury? What about this? Like, is it an opposition? Is it a conjunction? Is it a quincux? Is it this? And they look at me and they go, I don't know. I said, but you're basing this person off of just being a Leo son that you shouldn't be with them. Mm -hmm. I say, study astrology, then come to me. Have a, you lot, done a lot of I, women do that though. Yeah, and I say they shouldn't, I'll be like, run up a synastry chart, run up a, um, a composite chart. There's so much that you can do and you shouldn't do that because ultimately, one, you can have one bad experience with a guy who apparently is a Leo son, but when you pull it back to the sidereal system, could be Might a cancer be son. He's yeah. yeah, not, yeah. not even that stuff. New questions every day, how's a brother post to sleep? Listen, I give youngers books. Trying to educate myself as I'm running through these streets. There's no such thing as black and black crime. You can hit us in the DMs if you want the smoke. Pew, pew, pew. Not sure where the conversation's gonna go. But did you do your research? Yeah, I wanna know. That's the life of a domino. It's the domino effect. What's happened this week? Uh, Will and Jada, we covered that already. It was just my birthday. I was too busy getting turned up. Was here getting old. Feel it in my knees, boy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you. You're 28, you're not old. No, I'm old, man. No. So what age is old? I'm I'm 32 and I still feel young. I feel young at moments. But for for the most part, I feel like I'm... Do you know what it is? I think as you age, there's always that comparison of where you are now in the um compared to where you think you should be. Mm. And I think like when I first when I first turned 25, I was depressed for like a week. Because 25 is the age, you just think, oh, you're supposed to have so much going on for yourself, house, kids, family, blah, blah, blah. Then you're like, shit, I'm not going near that. Yeah, but what are you going to do when you're 50? Everyone wants to do everything now, and you forget that your 50s are normally your most successful. Yeah. The most money. Yeah. You know exactly who you are, and everyone just needs to chill. That's when your frame of thinking is that way, though. But like, if, if sometimes I feel tired now, I just think, how tired would I be at that age? Like right, right now, I still have the energy. I can still run around and do everything. I just feel like I would like to do some of it now and have a different experience with a different lens at that age. Yeah. In terms of astrology, if you want me to break down. Hey, we're going to get into that anyway still. <laughs> but now today we're joined by someone very special. A reader of the stars, a wizard. Some would say juju, but... Said Priestess. Juju. <laughs> a Priestess, a mystic. Some call her Slay with Slice, some call her Kim. Give her a little wave. Hi. I like these little twist things. It's got very newbie and queen-esque stuff going on. Well, that's what I was going for. Also, oh. I just want to protect my hair underneath and let it grow. So. Oh, it's better than wearing weave. Yeah. Weave so does I, that, but weave's a bit. Well, I've never really wore a weave, to be fair. I don't know how to put one in. But when I take it out, I want locks down to my... How, like, without shrinkage, how big is your hair when you take it out? To be fair, my hair's just quite soft. And oh, it just... Yeah, it just flows. It's. I wish it gives that energy. Oh, you got the proper energy. mixing hair where it just... Yeah, it's just... It's Aren't those locks, though? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so mine is... This is all crocheted in. All right. Yeah, yeah so it's not all real, real hair, so to speak. Like, None of it's real. Oh. Mine's all came road in, inside. Okay. There you go. More deception. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and to my left, we got the plant-based dickheads. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, me. <laughs> Listen, big up the meatless crew. You get me? So Ed's Edicus. He might be the most masculine host of the pod. Mm. I come comfortable today, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so the Gucci slides. You know, like that. But without further ado, let's get ready to dominate. <laughs> she was, this she was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, people, like, share, subscribe. Like I always say, we're back again, giving you more good content. We're here with an amazing guest today. So listen, all you have to do is just click the like. Make sure to leave a review if you listen to audio. Um, and show some love, man. And don't listen, if you feel the way, comment. Let's have a conversation in the comments, innit? Because you don't want to be piping up in the DMs, but you're shook to comment. Like, come with chess, innit? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's do this. Don't come for me. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to open up with a very open question because a lot of our listeners won't be plugged in. To you, what is an 
astrology because to us i just look in the newspaper i see the sun you're sagittarius don't read that so you're going to feel like this today you're a no. capricorn so, so what is especially yours is the vedic vedic yeah vedic astrology so yeah what is astrology and what is vedic astrology to you so astrology is less about star signs and more about your own personal chart so when you're born Mm-hmm. You have like the moment you were born, you will have your rising sign coming, rising from the horizon. Mm-hmm. What it will do will kind of plan out your entire chart, which represents not only you, but your life, your career, your children. And it kind of plans out your destiny. In terms of Vedic astrology, Vedic is the Eastern ancient astrology. Mm-hmm. It's Hindu. So, so it's a sect of astrology. Would I be correct? Mm-hmm. It's a certain system because there's many different systems. You've got Helen, is it Hellenistic astrology? You've got, um, okay, so Vedic astrology is an ancient kind of system. Mm-hmm. The reason that it's different to Western is because Western would have been, let's say it was done 800 years ago, it started. It's done off a certain calculation, which doesn't actually match what you see in the sky. Mm-hmm. Western astrology works to a certain degree, from my opinion. So it's Western, Pap- Capricorn, Scorpio. Yeah. That, that's the Western. Um, Vedic still works the same way in terms of the signs. Okay. But the Western's slightly different because of the um, the, the solstice. There's, there's four different points, isn't it? Where the sun crosses over or something along those lines, which makes it... Yeah, so it runs off of the solstice, yeah. whereas it doesn't... But Western astrology doesn't go with the procession of the equinoxes. So every 70 years, it disaligns by a degree, mm-hmm. which means that, let's say that your sun sign is at one degree Aries. In 70 years, when it disaligns by another degree, it means that then your sun sign is now a Pisces sun sign because it changes every mm. 70 years. Oh, so yours always changes? Mine stays the same and stays aligned to the procession of the equinoxes, so it never changes. Mm-hmm. It stays with what's actually in the sky. So apparently now, Saturn will be in the sign of Aquarius. But if you look at the actual su- like sky and you know the constellations, you'll start to see that Saturn is in Capricorn because you can see all seven grahas, as they say, grahas, which are the planets with the naked eye, basically. Mm. Why is there the seven and not nine or eight? Oh, because the okay, the outer planets, which is Neptune, Pluto, Uranus, they're so far you can't see them with the na- naked eye. So the main planets, which is up until Saturn, you can see with the naked eye. That's why Vedic astrology doesn't include them because they would only use what they could see. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Whereas now, now that we know that they exist, Vedic astrologers do use them because they do have an effect. It's just that obviously thousands and thousands of years ago, there was no such thing as telescopes. Mm-hmm. But ult- ultimately, when these planets were discovered, they also had an effect on the planet as well. So. Pluto, for an example, when Pluto was dis- discovered, you had like atomic bombs, which is Plutonian energy, the mafia, Plutonian energy. And that's the thing, you'll see the kind of energy come up with those planets mm-hmm. when they were discovered. Does that make sense? That makes sense. But for me being Mr. Joe Bloggs ignorant, in terms of like, how does when I was born tie into how I'd use this to like traverse my life, if that makes sense? Like, so I, I wouldn't say that you would ever go with your life. You go with how you feel, ultimately. Mm. But if you want guidance with where you're supposed to be or if you find things difficult, this is just kind of like, I like to call it like um, a blueprint of your operating system. Mm-hmm. So you'll feel like this on this certain day, like at 29.30, everyone knows the Saturn return. When Saturn comes aligned to your natal Saturn, it's a hard time at 29 and a half years old to 30. Mm-hmm. But it because it's not just your sun sign, it's your moon sign, your rising sign. There's so many different elements into it. It's not necessarily something that I can really go into mm. in one conversation because it's so in-depth. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at the newspapers and the magazines, that's just vague crap. Yeah, that's Don't ever saying. look at it because actually it takes a very artistic, scientific system and it actually just cheapens it because mm-hmm. when you actually learn it, you actually say, oh, and you start to s- show people what they're doing in their lives and things like that. And you start to predict certain things. It actually starts to make people go, oh, there's something bigger than just us. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you'd argue that because one of the, the biggest arguments that I saw is that most people who operate in the sciences wouldn't see it as a science. Yeah, it's a pseudoscience. It's a pseudoscience. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's a pseudoscience. But it's scientific to a degree of it's not necessarily something that you intuitively tap into it. You study it, mm-hmm. you learn the system. Once you learn the system, anyone can do it. I will say that it's the same way that to be a mechanic, you have to have something in you to understand car stuff. It's the same with astrology. If you've got it in you to be able to understand it, you'll kind of understand it very quickly because I'm very, I'm self-taught. Mm-hmm. I'm self-taught. I Rereading, I'm assuming. I become obsessive with it, literally, with my own chart. I have a very difficult personal chart, to be fair. I had an astrologer read my chart the other day and he literally has wrote about six, seven books. He's been, uh, he had like a very, very special guru, but when he come on Skype, he was just like, write your chart. I basically don't know. I can break it down, but your chart is so difficult. There's so many different kind of moving parts to your chart, but that's exactly like my life. My life is not simple. Mm -hmm. My life is contradictory. Like, I think to be in these certain spaces, you have to have something a bit different because not every normal person is doing a podcast mm-hmm. and is going down to London to meet strangers. You have to have something in your personality to go and do something like that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And your chart shows all of that. Well, what made you get into it? Because my life was a mess and I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Basically, I wanted answers. And you know, and you never turn religion. You thought, let me turn to spirituality, <clears throat> so to speak. Okay. In terms of religion, I grew up in a Christian household. I never went against Christianity. There's so much rumbling. Intermittent uh, <laughs> fasting. <laughs> I never went against Christianity. I was too curious to go and look at other places, to go learn other knowledge. So I went towards Hinduism. I've read into Sufism. I've read into all sorts. I even lived with an Indian family at one point. What's your ethnic heritage? You I'm mixed white, like Celtic, Scottish, Irish, and Jamaican. Oh. Oh, I see your so bumper clock. Say it again. I see your bumper clock. What's my name? <laughs> <laughs> How would you define it? <laughs> A Jamaican. <laughs> exactly. Um, but with me, with my complicated life, you know, I went into care and I ended up living with an Indian family, hence a different culture. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And how, you, how did the Indian and the Caribbean, how did that go? It was fine. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. If anything, I went to a Jamaican foster care at first. That was an absolute nightmare. Mm. Also, were you, did, were you raised in care, sorry, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so a certain amount of my life. Okay. But then I went to an Indian household and I just have a chart where... I, in terms of foreigners, I just attract them into my life. And I say foreigners, people from different cultures. So there is just this certain thing in my chart where I can't help but to go and seek answers from different cultures based on my own curiosity. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But I understood that Western astrology, I looked at Western astrology and it wasn't really fitting until I come to the Eastern one and I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. But not because of any belief systems attached to it, just because it actually explained things on a kind of mundane level does that make sense Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so and then from then then you start to get into the esoteric side of it you start to get into the archetypal energies of the Mm -hmm. astrology you start to look into deeper and deeper and deeper and before you know it you're kind of basically consumed and then you're working on feminine energy masculine energy shiva shakti you know all of that but it basically is so in depth. It's like um, Buddhism, mm-hmm. very, very, very similar to the Hindu um, system and Hindu culture, because their energies are basically the same, but just described in different ways. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it still a predictive kind of theory based on like when it, if in trying to understand your life, you have your chart, yeah. your chart still isn't definitive, or would you say it is? Because mm. that's that's what we can mm. start to draw parallels between the Western version and the Vedic version. Obviously, because there's the initial part where you're saying with the with how it works in terms of the, the, the solstices, et cetera. Yeah. But then also, in terms of trying to understand your life and your trials and tribulations, what is the difference between that, like the chart, for example, 
in comparison to how the Western might just say, oh, like... Oh, Western uses the chart still. Oh, it uses the charts as well. It still uses the chart. It just, the signs are different. Okay. When you change the two systems, it just makes the signs different in terms of because it's not reflecting what's in the sky. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So Western uses the same thing. The, the planets are still in the same houses. It's just in different signs. And that's when you start to look at the two different systems, the sidereal versus the tropical. You go, oh, yeah. But when it comes to, obviously, my life, when you're paying attention to the transits of the planets, because you have your chart and then you have the transits of what's going on now, all those planets are hitting your planets and your chart. So you know when Saturn hits your moon, you're going to have a kind of not a great time. Or if Jupiter hits your Venus Mm. as a man, you know a woman's going to come into your life. It's very plain and simple. I have a question for you. Say, so are you saying that if someone was born in the same birthday on the same day as you in, say, Birmingham, at certain parts of their life, would that would it be similar to yours? Oh, Based okay. This is where we get really, really deep now. Yeah. In the Hindu system, one person has up to 60 charts. Your career chart mm. changes within six, nine, 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So someone could be born on the set. This is why you have twins. We're having really crazy deja vu. I think I've dreamt this. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, this is where it confused me. It's like, would you have yeah, the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you gone. have the same chart, the mm. main birth chart, but then you start get to get into the inter- the interest, what's the word? Intricacies. That's the one. Yeah. Of the D9, which is the chart of the soul, the D10, which is chart of the career, and you've got the D60, which is the chart of the end of life. You've yeah. got the D7, which represents children and creativity. Yeah. And all these change. this is why you have to have the exact time because every minute counts. Okay. That's why, even though you can be born on the same day, you're completely different. I was gonna say, me and my boy, we're born in the same. We have the same birthday, yeah. and we're born in the same year, yeah. in the same area, but we're very different. Yeah. That's why it's completely. I dated someone who was born forty-five minutes after me. Uh, how was that go? That was literally we got on like a house on fire because obviously when you start to look sinistry wise, sometimes too much of the same can actually be a bad thing. Yeah, I think that's long. Do you know uh, what I mean? I don't want someone like me. That's Wasn't there something? Is it Kumali or something? Where it's like. You have to have a certain um, number of things that match. Coot points. Yeah. Yeah. So and if that's it, anything below eighteen is not. So compatible. that's that's more of the traditional marriage matching Indian matching system. Mm-hmm. I would do that because okay. when you think about, we're talking real Indian traditional values. We're not living like that. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the woman isn't going to stay at home and cook and clean and basically not. Do you know? It's very, very kind of traditional. And that's how they lived years and years and years ago. But you have to move with the times also. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the Kuta system, that's normally when it's it's like in India, when the families want to do horoscope matching. Because in India, astrology is very important. Yeah. Mm. It's very, very important. And if anything, they actually pay a lot more attention to the spiritual aspects of a person. And they think that's healthy, but in other ways... There's like needs to be moving forward a yeah, little bit. It's not it's not adapted to to new Western as well. We live in the Western, it's yeah. Western yeah, as well. Say, but in terms of them, in a lot of places, they still live like that. And even a lot of the people that I know that are fully Indian, they live here, and it's not too dissimilar. Arguably, though, but then globalization would mean that different influences have impacted their way of life. They couldn't. Yeah, because like for example, they. they it's the new craze now in India is to get dressed up and go to McDonald's. That's a is that a thing? Yeah. yeah. Why? Well, you see that on TikTok? No, like <laughs> <laughs> because of like a lot of these, for example, in Africa and Asia, it's similar. It's because of things that are brought that Western that also almost put on a pedestal. It's like families all like well, the way we would say dress up to go to like don't know, like, to a family day out, uh, family meal like at Harvesters. That's what they would do at McDonald's. Oh, for real? Yeah. That's, that's the thing, yeah. But I think there's there's a lot that we could learn from these cultures as well. Yeah, if I mean, anything, a lot more that we can learn. How does Hinduism tie into astrology? Though? So it's just because it's the Hindu system. So when you get deeper into the signs, you've mm. got something called nakshatras. And each nakshatra represents an archetypal deity mm-hmm. in the Hindu system. It's just because that system... So when you've got a, l- a great example I like to use, um, I have something called a parvashada. Mercury and a Purvashada, Saturn. Purvashada is a water, the deity is a water goddess in the Hindu system mm-hmm. called Apas. She's represented 
with the fan, the handheld fan. Mm-hmm. It represents creative waters, which it represents with Venus, it mixed with Venus. But when you look at the Nigerian system, the Yoruba mm. system, you've got... Um, the way you said Yoruba was mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, we'll then, you, then you've got, obviously, the goddess Oshun. Oshun is represented by the fertile waters and the handheld fan. Same energy, different system to describe it. It's yeah. just how that culture taps into it and the, the kind of archetypal story they get out of it. It's all an energy. But when you start to get into meditation and you start mm-hmm. to tap into it, you tap it because I've encountered her in meditation. Big gang members making men masculine since 2019. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was a... She was she was literally a waterfall in the shape of a woman. Do you see when you meditate? Do you see these deities that come? I've to seen you? a couple de- deities. I've seen Hanuman, which is the um, Hindu god. He's the monkey, isn't he? Yeah. He actually stuck his tongue in my mouth. Yeah, in my he's meditation. Th- he's a freak I found, like that. I felt yeah. it. Was it a good lips or? <laughs> no, no, no. So basically I was in meditation and I was sat on my sofa literally like this and it was like the face of him just sat in front of me and he was smiling. And then he went, stuck his tongue in my mouth. And because I felt it, I jolted out of my body and out of my meditation. Like, whoa, what the hell was that? Yeah, I literally... That wasn't a sexual thing, was no, it? No, no, no. It's okay. playful because it's a trickster. All right. He's oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember. Yeah, this, a, is, this is going back to like my RGCSERE, by the way. Yeah, so this. he's a trickster. Yeah. And he's got the clapping hands. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when he showed himself to me, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was very playful. But then with the water goddess, when I seen her... You said for f- she, the water was for fertility. So that is for more creative waters, but creative, that's where we get really, really deep into the chakras and stuff. So mm. the womb space mm. and the sacral chakra is called the watery center. It's very feminine. And, when, and this is where I realized that she's shown herself to me a few days later because I normally see them when I'm being prepped for an experience. This is how I intuitively feel for it. By prep, by, sorry, what do you mean by prep? So they show themselves to me and how life manifests after that directly after that experience there'll be something that will happen to me to make me realize cool oh okay this needs healing or that needs healing Mm -hmm. so when she showed herself to me because the watery center of the womb space and the creative center and the feminine center is watery it's emotional that's why it's water that's why she very much shows herself in with water a few days later i was spending time with a friend and I didn't realize unconsciously, I didn't really, really trust men at all. I always felt as if if men spent time with me, it's because they want something from me. And more importantly, they want sex or they want some sort of sexual interaction. Is that from the way you, the interaction you had with men growing up or was that like a stereotype? No, it's not a stereotype. It's basically just in li- my life in general. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. And a lot of women feel like that. Yeah. So. But when a, lot, a lot of women aren't wrong. Say again. A lot of women aren't wrong. Exactly. So with, obviously, this experience, I kind of opened up. I felt my womb space open up Mm. from inside. I know it sounds really weird, but when you start to do all this work, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. (coughs) And I remember I turned to him and I went, oh, my God, I trust you. But I trusted him because he didn't want to have sex with me. Mm. It actually made me cry. I literally burst into tears. Well, the person you were seeing at the time didn't want to, or what, who who did? No, he was just a friend of mine. Oh, right. Cool. Yeah. Okay. He wasn't He wasn't romantically involved. He was just a friend of mine. Just great friends. Mm. But even with kind of friends that I've had in the past, there can be a, a bit, you know, like some weirdness or some attraction there or whatever. And y- there is this kind of unconscious guard you have to have up. But obviously she showed me and it, it, all this kind of stuff opened up and then I started to see visions of my grandmother. And it, it's very kind of... Sp- Spiritually, it's very weird to explain, but you start to tap into some kind of DNA memory that you hold in your body, which represented the experiences of my grandmother, the experience of my mother, the abandonment I felt from my father. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You start to tap into all of that in that just that moment. But she served that experience. The, god- the goddess Apas show- showed me that. 
Do you know what I mean? And then next thing you know, I'm sitting outside Euston at a pub crying my eyes out. <laughs> I've got strangers giving me tissue. And my friend's just like, are you okay? But it was the most beautiful experience ever. Like I've seen other gods and to be found coming through this weird space in my life at the minute. I keep waking up at 2.30 in the morning and I'm basically tripping and I'm seeing pictures on my ceiling and stuff like that. And, you know, you meditate and you're nervous. It's all a bit wild. That sounds like a shroom experience. Yeah, I've had shroom experiences. Um, it's less shroom, more DMT-ish, mm-hmm. when you start to really tap into your nervous system, but it happens involuntarily mm. because you're doing the work to start getting yourself to that. And you start to create a relationship with the divine mm. through that. So some days it will happen and I'll hear my nervous system inside my brain. It sounds mad, I sound wild and I sound crazy, but I, I find up, it interesting. But I find it, everyone, you know, I want to try DMT. Do you? Yeah. Oh, be, I, I, I warn you, brace yourself, go do it with the shaman also. Don't just do it because I've done it. It's a, a very intense. Yeah. Well, really, you want to go through the paces. Start with something like shrooms because it's not as intense I've, and then work your way up. I went to Amsterdam. It says shrooms is calm. It's not calm. Did you have a challenging trip? It wasn't challenging. It was a good trip, but obviously my friends, they did the lowest level. And obviously because they're ravers, nothing happened, but you're supposed to do it on an empty stomach. Yes. So they, they ate before. So they're just like, ah, oh, we go raving all the time. It must just be baby But you don't stuff. have to do it on an empty stomach. But if you have a weak stomach, that's what it is. Oh, is that what they say? Yeah, but because it, you can sometimes make you feel a bit sick. So that's why empty stomach, so there's nothing to throw up. Oh yeah, mm. this one girl did throw up when we were yeah. doing it. But um, so not, they did felt nothing. So they went, went and then got the strongest ones in Amsterdam. Yeah. And, uh, and they were like, oh, you may as well try it. Like the other ones didn't do anything. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, that experience was mad. Yeah. Like it was mad. Shrooms are fun. Yeah. Shrooms are imagine. very fun. But it's, it's w- when people talk about the experience, it's all about opening different aspects of the mind yeah, that you, you never would have re- reached. You transcend reality. Yeah. And well, oh, 100%, a, lot, you see a lot of people say that just ma- it makes people a better person as a as a consequence of the experience. Oh, my DMT trip changed my life. Yeah, and, I, and I everyone to, says that. I went to DMT hospital, What's like that? in my trip. Oh, okay. I went to like a DMT hospital with like beings with upside down triangle yellow heads, and they were mm. like playing with my energetic body. And next thing you know, I felt my because I didn't do it in spiritual circumstances mm-hmm. oh you just did it just to do it yeah i did it with a friend oh, okay okay they had done it before i'd never done it before you literally experience what it would feel like to die and you also hear like a sound you know in like in the matrix when neo's like body gets sucked in the phone mm-hmm. and he goes mm-hmm. you hear the same sound well they said they're doing studies that there's no they said that the evidence leads towards that's how you feel when you die but apparently it's more related to you, you at birth or something so all the ex- well, death and rebirth, but, and yeah. incarnation, they say it's all linked. This is something else that I'm studying at the moment with the Tibetan Book of the Dead. A really interesting concept. But DMT is produced in the brain and in the lungs. So through breath work, you can actually induce these states without drugs. You can induce it. And I think this is what's happening to me at 2.30 every in the yeah, morning. Yeah, because what you're sounding, the first thing I was thinking, this sounds like a acid or... De- or yeah, or, or so it's, it's like self-induced kind of... Well, I'm not inducing it, I'm waking up. And, it, and sometimes I'm like, not tonight. I don't want an energetic <laughs> upgrade tonight, I'm going to sleep. But sometimes I've done it. But the first time it happened, I was like ringing my friends in the morning, like, oh my God, I can't believe what happened to me last night. And literally my ceiling was dancing and I was just laying in bed like, what the hell? I seen in my third eye, as I say, the mind's eye, I seen the lotus flower opened up into a hallway and there was a man standing at the hallway holding the door and then my ego went, you're gonna die. So then I freaked out, started looking at the ceiling, the ceiling's doing mad stuff. And then literally within 10 minutes it was over, went to sleep. No, I wanna I want experience that. It is what, because you, your, bo- your body becomes nothing. Yeah. There's no body. There's no sense of self. There's no sense of kin. You start to sense that you are an illusion. Do you think that that is a, is a form of reality? Do you think that what you're saying is seen is actually what you're the seeing? The true or is it reality. Just, yeah, because like, for example, I was talking to a guy, literally this was like two days ago, and he said he took the hit of DMT and he was in Hyde Park. Yeah. He immediately- Wow, doing DMT in public? He did it in Hyde Park. That's mad. He yeah. said he left his body yeah. and could see exactly what he could see, but from a bird's eye view. Yeah. So I'm like... That's astral projection that out of the body. Be, that must be a different perception of reality because how can you see what you can see 
3D, like I'm me looking at Brizzy, then next thing I can see Brizzy from a bird's eye view. Yeah. That must be a form of reality. Uh, you, how else you would you can be able do to... in you can actually do I've done that in meditation where I viewed myself laying in my bed. Yeah. Yeah. Only once though, it's only happened once. That like lucid dreaming is, is or is that something slightly different? No, I was meditating. Was meditating. So I was awake. And <sighs> so I was awake and I seen flashes of myself laying in my bed. But from above. See, I watch so much anime. I feel like this could give me superpowers. Like. Well, that's it. That's basically. But also, okay, if we think about reality mm-hmm. now, the reality is your reality is what's your name? Eddie. So Eddie. Or husband, whichever one. <laughs> <laughs> so Eddie, your personality is based off your experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were born, there was no experience, which means there's no personality. Yeah, you didn't even pick your own name. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So who are you? If there was no experience, which meant there was no personality, who are you underneath that? Just an empty vessel at that point, yeah. waiting to experience. And something that's where to you have me. to send. Yeah, that's where you. That's where you have to start looking. Is that sense of I am underneath all the narratives? That's the true reality of things. Because ultimately, we program children away from their actual natural nature. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that's where you have to start shedding. Like I think it's 120 layers of conditioning. Mm. But but would you? It, then you start getting into the argument of nature versus nurture, isn't it? If you go away, from, you're talking about how we're, they're conditioned. Mm. So by nature, what truly are they away from all the labels, away from all of what's put on by society? Who are who are they really? Yeah. But based based on that, would you not say some people? are naturally ba- bad people, so to speak, that when you peel back those layers, that some people are just bad. Some people are actually, okay, there have been so many studies done between saints and sinners. Okay. Yeah? They've got similar charts. They're just extremes. Mm. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. nothing is good or bad. It's ego that labels something good or bad. Obviously, murdering loads of people is a bad thing to do and you shouldn't do it. No, but I believe... Uh, but it's it's yeah. living on the extremes of life, mm. yeah? So you've got the extremes of the good people, which are saints, and you've got the extremes of the bad people, which are sinners. But if anything, when you look at serial killers and murderers and things like that, when you look at birth charts, we pull it back to birth charts, if anything, it's a very, very strong spiritual influence that causes that because it's, in, in a sense, mate, is it part of their destiny? Does, does, does that make sense? Mm. Is it part of that person's destiny to be that terrible person? Because when you actually come from it, when you die, you are no longer the person, no longer the identity. You're then reborn into a new experience. Oh, so you fully believe in reincarnation? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely believe in reincarnation. So, so why do you not believe there's a higher place that people go to? Because I think you have to break out this cycle. So when you start looking at the Tibetan Book of the Dead... There is an actual practice you're meant to do when you're dying to keep you aligned. Have you you should actually watch this film. It's called Enter the Void. Mm. It's actually ba- have you watched it? No, I haven't. But. It's actually based on the experience of dying. It's based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And what happens when you die, your spirit ele- comes out of your body, as you would in meditation, mm-hmm. those experiences. And what you'll do is you'll float around and you'll be looking for a new womb to go into. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's mad. But yeah, go yeah. on, continue. But there can be actually something in the book, it's the Tibetan Book of the Dead. It tells you what to do to break out of the cycle, the reincarnation cycle. And obviously, in terms of, I don't know everything. I'm not a guru. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm still in a state of learning. But from my understanding of it, we have certain things that we have to learn and we have to transcend and we have to let go of our desires, let go, because it's our desires that bring us to be reborn again. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So anything we don't fulfill in this life, we will then be reborn to fulfill in the next life. So in layman terms, is it almost like a there's a bucket list of what you have to complete in order to break the cycle? Yeah, but you can also let go of the desires. But to let go of the z- desires, you have to let go of the self. Mm-hmm. You have to let go of the idea of Eddie or let go of the idea of Kim. Mm-hmm. Who is Kim? Kim is no one. Mm-hmm. She's a construct what I am is a living, breathing human being, but is my body me? Because I can separate from that in my meditation experience. Am I my body? 
Am I my thoughts? Because the thoughts are the ego based on the experience. I'm not the thoughts. And I'm the that's feelings. Good, well, that's a good point, actually. And the feelings that I feel, they come and go. So they're ever-changing. So is the feelings me? But that's almost like nothingness. Exactly. Yeah, just <laughs> you are the state of I am underneath it all. And that's when you start to realise, like, there's just nothing. Yeah, it's nothing and everything is like dropping, as they say. That, the, that's almost the, anarchy, though. Say it again. That's almost like anarchy. Like... Chaos. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also peace. But everything spiritually is a paradox. Yeah, it's like chaos and peace at the same yeah, time. Yeah, so it's like dropping back. It's like a drop of the ocean. What did I say? A, wa- a droplet from of water dropping back into the ocean. You just go back to the sense same of the point, divine, yeah. which you're always a part of. Mm. You're never separate from. Because I am just a reflection of you and you're just a reflection of me and how we react together is just going to manifest something else. Does that make sense? So, so on that note, how does it work in terms of relationships, in terms of how two people come together and can manage each other's energies, etc.? That's what I was about to say, because if you're from what you're being in the state of nothingness, then... Nothing affects you. Yeah, like, excuse my ignorance, that if everyone like were to delve in and to understand themselves, everyone is compatible, no? Or is yeah. We'd yeah. all float around because we break out the cycle. We'd all be floating around wanting to hug each other and give each other love. That makes sense, though, do, really. Do you yeah. know what yeah. I mean? Because you are the state of nothing, which means the other person's the state of nothing. This person doesn't feel anything towards you but love. Because ultimately, when you get to the big state of I am, it's just nothing but pure, abundant love. But in relationships, this is the saying that I really love. You want to find out about yourself, get in a relationship or get married. Oh, go on, break that down. Yeah, so if you become in a relationship and this person is not, let's say, behaving to your certain standards or, you know, they do something to trigger you, there's nothing to do with the other person. It's all to do with you because you hold the trigger within you. Yeah, of course. So you're going to get the opportunity every day to show up to your partner but also show up to yourself because everything's been affected. When you're in a relationship, your partner's going to trigger all the crap that love isn't. And I love that saying, love brings up everything that it isn't. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You get in a relationship and that's why you hate the person you're with sometimes. (laughs) Because they bring up all the states of all the stuff because it's bringing it all up to heal. Does that make sense? Mm. But you have to be accountable for your own feelings and your own emotions. And what a lot of people do is feel the feeling and literally automatically like throw it like a, what's one of those things where you pull the pin out and throw it? Like a grenade. grenade. Yeah, they take their trigger and they grenade it at the other person and go, it's your fault. You've done this to me. But isn't that what astronomy teaches a lot of people? Well, well more women, astrology. more women read into astrology. I say, isn't that what women, a lot of women are taught by astrology to necessarily like, me and you aren't compatible for. Oh no, they shouldn't do that. And I always turn them off. It's my mm. biggest, biggest pet peeve. Oh, because that's what I know it for. Yeah, it's my biggest. And it's actually, like I get so frustrated in my DMs because I'm like, what about your moon sign? What about your rising sign? What about your Mercury? What about this? Like, is it an opposition? Is it a conjunction? Is it a queen cooks? Is it this? And they look at me and they go, I don't know. I said, but you're basing this person off of just being a Leo son that you shouldn't be with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I say, study astrology, then come to me. Have a, you lot, done it? a lot of I, women do that though. Yeah, and I say they shouldn't. I'll be like, run up a synastry chart, run up a, um, a composite chart. There's so much that you can do and you shouldn't do that because ultimately, one, you can have one bad experience with a guy who apparently is a Leo son, but when you pull it back to the sidereal system, it could be a cancer son. Yeah. He's, not yeah, even yeah. That, he's not even that star sign. So, just throws all of that out the it's window. It's generic and it offends me. And but it that's should. my ego. That's 100% my ego. See, but I think in this context is, is a lot of people like to avoid situations where they have to look within to deal with the problems that they have. Yeah, they like to throw it out. They like to throw it out. So it's a way to absorb yourself of the responsibility of having to change within. Because yeah. if I can blame the problems on you and your star sign, then that means I'm not the problem. Yeah. And a lot of people feel safe in that feeling of I'm not the problem, it's yeah. you. But then... In the context of a relationship, that's what makes the problem so much more problematic. Because like I was saying off camera, a lot of people lack that self-awareness. And if you're truly self-aware, it's, you I don't understand. I think they lack it. Go on. I think it's more so... It's taking 
It's paying attention to the space between the trigger and the reaction. Okay. That's what it is. People have self-awareness when they come away from the situation, have time to think. That's when you normally yeah, have an argument 20 minutes after, then you get the apology. But it, you have to pay attention to what's happening within the body in that moment, like mm. feeling what's happening in the body. Pain, not a lot of people actually know how they feel. It's not that they're self-aware. They don't know how to be self-aware in the moment because they're too reactionary. Mm -hmm. But it's not the other person's fault. It's not that person's fault. It takes a lot of conscious practice. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. Like even I find it difficult. I practice to my heart's content. Like, and I'll sit there with a friend and I'll be like, I'm feeling a trigger. And like, my ego will want to hold on to it and be like, make it but, her fault. But, but that in and of itself is your growth and your development yeah. in consciousness because you realize that now I'm being triggered. Whereas a lot of people just react. Yeah. And that, that's why I think is a, there's a crossroad between self-awareness and you being or operating from an unconscious state. Yeah. So a lot of us operate habitually from an unconscious state, yeah. which is why we, we respond to the things. But then self-awareness then comes in, like you said, when you're able to walk away and say, do you know what? I probably shouldn't react to that way. Yeah. And then the apology comes. Yeah. But for some people, they don't grow from that situation. Oh, yeah, they yeah, They just yeah. keep reliving that situation yeah, yeah, in the yeah. pattern. So then, and it, hence, breaking out of it. It's like life, yeah. reincarnation. You are basically being reborn every single minute of every day. Well, you should be, but yeah. I feel like, that's why I would say, the person you were yesterday shouldn't be the person you are today. Like you said, you're in a constant state of learning. Although you're a teacher, you're still learning yourself. Mm. And that's an important state to be in for anybody trying to trying to have conversations a lot of us aren't in that constant state of learning which is why i would argue that a lot of people lack that self-awareness yeah because i don't thing. think i'm ready for a relationship why oh i like i like being alone yeah but that's that's what naturally. aspects of being alone do you like being because loads of people like having their alone time um, what, what does what, that mean okay i live by myself mm. i don't like being told what to do Okay. I will fight the masculine. I just have that natural rebellious streak. Mm. Like obviously. But doesn't that doesn't that then tie in as you said you said about egos as you now yeah, are yeah, as yeah, a single yeah, woman. Yeah. But, but also, then when you find love, don't you find some kind of compromise? That's you saying that now as however, not being in a relationship. However, the reason I say that I'm mm. not hundred percent ready is because of my experience growing up, I was always for a certain amount of years always looking for love. Fair I enough. was gonna tie it back yeah. to yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then you find, and there was an experience I had on shrooms last year, and I was doing shrooms to the guy, and he went off somewhere, and I was just walking for a field going, oh my God, I'm not ready. I haven't lived as a real single person. I haven't lived being single. I just mm -hmm. constantly had my mind thinking about relationships. What am I like to just actually be free of the attachment to the idea of being in a relationship? Because a lot of women are attached to the idea of being 100%. in a relationship. Is that a bad thing? I wouldn't necessarily bad or good, but are you truly living in the experience that you're in if your mind is always thinking about some imaginary scenario that is not actually your, your reality? And you, you talk about a lot of men we know that and us growing up, sometimes you, you're just sleeping with things just because of the ego aspect. You don't even want to sleep with the thing. You're just like... Yeah, yeah, here we We're it. just here, we may as well, just because... Do you know what I'm saying? But what that sounds similar to is like the Hector Tal book, The Power of Now, and living, yeah. it, living in the now. Yeah. Living but in the actual reality. In, in the reality, in the moment. But then at the same time, one of the things he does say is that the past is always, the, the future will be a reflection of the past unless you change the now. Yeah. So by having this constant thought of relationships in the now, aren't you working towards what it is that you want to achieve? But if you've got something in your energetic body that needs healing, what are you attracting? Because you mm. can be attracting the same people that you're getting because you're not paying attention to just focusing on yourself. You're just searching for something outside yourself, which means you start to attract trash. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does, it does, it does. So when do you think you'd be ready for a relationship? Like what, what aspects of single life do you feel like you still need to live? Mm. before you're ready to actually summer 2022 <laughs> 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 I, i've never been carnival and i was like yeah go carnival. Carnival. I've never been carnival let's before. go carny let's so go i'm trying to go carnival this year just be ready people free the inhibitions is like yeah i just want to yeah, go carnival unless you're ready for just be yeah there's no man man will be gripping you up doing this doing that like, you're gonna get lifted do, do you know what it is i think it's not necessarily about going out and just you know it's just more about just having the headspace to go and go, what, instead of looking for a relationship, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, if you're going to do the things that you want to do, like let's say, I don't know, like ghost hunting, 
I'd love to do ghost hunting mm. one day. I'll probably be terrified of it. But at the same time, it's something that I enjoy to do. So mm. what do you manifest out of that experience? People who are also enjoying ghost hunting experiences. Do you know what I mean? That's why you can't just go to a club because you're just going to get people who ultimately, a lot of the time, are very much based in ego. 24, they care about looks. They're not, they don't have much depth Everything in that scenario. Yeah, 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 yeah. In that scenario. Yeah, yeah. in that scenario. 100%, yeah. So you're only matching from a level of shallowness in that scenario yeah because mm. people people need to build the identity capital so like that's why i always people should have hobbies things that they're interested yeah. in and and live those experiences that like one of the things i always say is learn to be comfortable outside of your comfort zone because that's where you're going to grow there you go. a um, lot of people love well. to stay confined within comfortable spaces so, so again they don't have to feel pain as it yeah. were but that's again you, when you put yourself in these different spaces that's where you allow yourself to grow and meet people who are like-minded yeah. which will potentially be better for you and your spiritual energy and your yeah. presence because oh sorry so you I, was gonna say, I hear what you're both saying in terms of the shallowness but when you meet anyone in any particular kind of space whether that be at a sports club whether that be at a social club you'll bond over that thing and then the majority say 95 percent of those people you it will just be for that space yeah but then you'll meet that person where you like that five percent or three percent where yeah you bond higher than that. So yeah. like, to give an example, I don't know if you've ever been in a club with someone, you get drunk and you get into some deep chat about someone and you continue that yeah. conversation. In the area. Okay, so <laughs> let's be, let, okay. Or, or like, let's sorry, sorry to say, say me in sport, I play rugby. Yeah. Most of them are middle-class white brothers that I have nothing in common with and yeah. we just bond over that. But I have a few of them that like, even after that, we've continued it away from that. Yeah. But when the way we initially bonded was very shallow is I'm an athlete, you're an athlete. Let's work towards yeah. this goal. Okay, so, so this is where we have to kind of break down. So there's, there's going out to celebrate some a birthday. But if your life is going, <coughs> let's go out every weekend to the same place, to the same people, it's just a very shallow, because there's not much variety of people. Does that make sense? You're That's in the true. same scenario, expecting a different type of person. Now, don't get me wrong, there'll be certain times, especially when the stars aligned, you'll meet this one person and you'll get each other. But at the same time, people, we need our realities to have a variety of things. What's, what's fulfilling us artistic-wise? What's mm. fulfilling us in terms of experiencing beauty and mm. love and things like that? We need a variety of things. But when we're going to this, and I've spent, you know, you know, you spend a summer where you just go to the same place and it becomes very boring. Mm. It's just the same people and you just end up just going, what am I doing here? But leading, but leading that obviously because we've like pivoted off. But leading that to the relationship question, and I get what you're saying about going to these yeah. new spaces. But it's only become like a modern concept that for you to have a partner now, yeah, they got to fulfill you in terms of financially. They've got to fulfill you in terms of emotionally, in terms of sexually, etc. Whereas previously, you'd have a different person for different things. Marriage was just to bring together kingdoms. It's just almost like because we're looking to get that through one person. That's why you may feel that restriction. Whereas even now in a modern relationship, a lot of people try to spend yeah. a lot of time with that person doing the same sort of thing, but there's nothing to stop you from being, being together and being fulfilled in a certain way. And then that person going out and living whatever experience that be with other people. Like, why is it in a relationship? It has to be like, ah, oh, we're in a relationship with that person now. I want to go ghost bus hunting. They don't really like it. Oh, I don't end up going. No, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not necessary because what I'm trying to do now is live from a very 100% fulfilled space. Is so that 100% you then? Yeah, that, that space. Okay. Yeah, no, that's one hundred percent me. So whoever comes into my life, I don't need anything from you. We just add to each other's lives. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because I was talking to a friend mm. of mine the other day, and I would say at a certain point of my life, I had lived in a space of oh, I felt I needed to be in a relationship because I felt I needed saving from my, and there was nothing really going on. But when we start to think about mortgages and all these financial pressures, it's easier to do it with two people rather than one. Mm -hmm. I let go of that idea and I sat there and I was like, I don't need a man. Mm. I don't need a man for his money. I don't need a man because he's successful. I don't need a man because of this. But ultimately, I come from this sense of pure, fulfilled, high self-esteem that if I get into a relationship and he's like, should you buy a house? I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. I may not have as much as you, but let's do it. But it's because I can give myself enough that I don't feel a sense of insecurity mm, around okay. it. I can come with like head held high. Do you know what I mean? With a sense of, 
I've done this for myself. And a man can give to me because he doesn't need to give to me. Mm-hmm. He gives to me because he wants to. There's a difference. Would, would that stop your, your, your rebellious phase as well? I don't... Because you, you, you naturally rebel against... A I'm, I, I need someone who wants to live an interesting life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? The mm. idea, and don't get me wrong, at a certain point in my life, I want to settle down and have kids. And But there's also other things that I want to do. I want to go and... I don't know, run around the Egyptian pyramids, you know, go travel. I want to go and, I don't know, start a business with them. Like, I want to try things. I want to take as much out of life as possible because I want to be a risk taker. But I also want a partner who's a bit of a risk taker too, who can add excitement into life instead of falling into the kind of um, idea of, Setting you down, getting a mortgage, having kids. Like, just a box that, like, yeah, like it, yeah, it's yeah. that kind of box where you think that you, you should live like that. I thought that that's what I needed back in the day. Mm-hmm. I wanted yeah. that. The, the, the only thing I find a bit paradoxical, and, or say that oxymoron of what, what you speak about, and to most, for the most part, everything you said makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's just a part of how you're saying that. I believe in co-dependency uh, co rather than, well, co-interdependency co-inde- rather, yeah. rather than co-dependency. Co- yeah. um, so for you to be okay by yourself and you come together and make something beautiful, but you don't yeah. need each other, I believe in that. But one thing I just find difficult is if you're living 100% for you, how do you ever expect it in the line for that person? Because when you're with someone, certain aspects of you will become them and then become you. Yeah, so it won't be 100% you. Yeah, because th- th- with life anyway, there's bad points and negative there's negative points and good points of everything mm. there will have to be a certain level of sacrifice and compromise that's the point i'm that's, saying now that's, that's with the relationship but that person because i'm so high in my self-esteem i'm going to pick someone i adore mm. which kind of basically balances out the compromises and the sacrifices because i'm not picking someone out of a need for a relationship I'm picking because I see them as a person and I can sacrifice and compromise because it's you. So that's what I'm saying. So, you know, before where you said, I'm not ready for a relationship. I feel like we've gone around the houses. It's just like, you haven't met the right person to make you want to do that. Yeah, but there was a certain point in my life Mm. where, as I said, I was going for the idea of the relationship instead of the person. So I've had this kind of 180 view where it's like, okay, if I'm going to be single and honour being single and the single experience, Mm -hmm. let me go be single. Let me have the full experience. So when the person comes along, I'll be like, I had fun. Yeah, you're good. I'm good. Like, I've had fun. I've enjoyed myself. Have you enjoyed yourself? No, let's go and enjoy ourselves together. Yeah. 